The date is 1993. Dream Lover by Mariah Carey was at the number one charts. Jurassic Park was number one in the box office. And today, right here on Tangents Gaming Podcast, we're going to be talking about one of the most biggest blunders when it comes to video game consoles. The reason why I picked this particular video game system is one I've tried it before, and I actually did like it when I tried it at one of the stores. It was kind of a well-designed machine, but it was poorly handed and mismarketed. You had the run of Nintendo and Sega, basically in the early 90s. They were the force. They were the faces. And one man had an idea to create an unbelievable video game system. And his name was Trip Hawkins. And he was the founder of Electronic Arts. Right there, Electronic Arts, one of the most powerful video game companies in the world today. And at the time, they had, you know, like a very small market share, especially when it came to uh, the sports. But they did rewrite uh, hockey and football and stuff like that. That's not what we're going for today. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about the Panasonic 3DO. And most of you, you'll be like, oh my god, the Panasonic 3DO. There's a lot of misconceptions about this system, just in general. Because I thought it was Panasonic, who was the one who put it out. Most people, like most of the people that I've talked to, they even thought it was Panasonic. Just like what Sony did with PlayStation. No, we were wrong. It wasn't Panasonic that created the 3DO. It was the 3DO that created the system. All right. So what happened was Trip Pockets created the 3DO company and had everything planned, figured out, stuff like that. Then what his proposal was it would be manufactured by various partners and licenses to the 3DO. 3DO would then collect royalty on each console and on every game sold. That actually sounds like a really good idea. So basically, just to sum it up, what they did is they came up with the idea, they drew it up, what they wanted, then they gave these plans, these blueprints to a third mar party market for them to manufacture it. So the name would be on the 3DO, then the actual 3DO company would get royalties for every system sold. If they sold a million systems, they'd get royalty off of those a million consoles. There are tons of companies that do that as it is. But with this one, 
it's quite unique. Also, what's unique is the game publisher's royalty would be as low as $3. Which is a way better deal than what Nintendo and Sega actually had. And of course, you want your game to be on the popular systems, even if it means paying a little bit more on royalties when it comes to the games. You know, which it sucks because I didn't look for it. I don't know how much these systems get royalties. It's just so weird. And there's so many things about this story that is so strange. Anyway, so after everything was done, Trip approached Sony and Panasonic, but Sony said no because of the PlayStation. Sega was very interested, but fell through Duke to cost. And that was probably one of the biggest downfalls for the 3DO at the very start. Because when you have a system, you really want to have a, a foothold. You want that ladder set up for everybody to climb. But if you have a wobbly ladder or a half-ass ladder, nobody's going to climb it. Gold Star, though, as well as Sanyo, would later manufacture the 3DO as well. But the companies who obtained the hardware license but never actually sold the 3DU, 3DO units, including Samsung. You see what is happening here? When it comes to the 3DO, they had so many manufacturers that it was absolutely mind-boggling. This is one of the reasons I do believe that 3DO actually got massively destroyed. When you have one manufacturer, that is absolutely Really, like plain and simple. When you have multiple manufacturers, and over the time, over the years, it was different versions of the 3DO. The problem is, I will always, uh, how would you say, remember the 3DO as a Panasonic product. That to show. Uh, now, what is that? Toshabi and AT&T also went as far as building prototypes. So you have a prototype called the AT&T 3DO. Really? Could you imagine you have three different generations or you go into three different stores and there's three different 3DOs. You have the mom and dads look at it and go, Well, honey, you know... There's the AT&T 3DO. It's about $200 cheaper than the Panasonic. Let's get that. No, Mom. I don't want the AT&T. I don't want it because it sounds like a telephone. Yes. Uh, will the Panasonic 3DO controller work on the Samsung 3DO? Well, yes. Everything is interchangeable. Like, it just it doesn't make sense. One of the biggest problems 
was this. Like, with Sony, they built their own machines. Nintendo, as far as I know, they built their own machines as well as Sega. They're the ones who did it. They didn't have all these manufacturers out there, like four or five, trying to build machines for them. So it was weird. This would have worked, though. And this is the kicker. If the 3DO teamed up with Sega or Nintendo, they would have had a better chance of actually growing and mass-producing these machines. But one of the biggest problems with this way that Trip kind of had was dealing with third-party licenses and the manufacturers who didn't want to lose money but the 3DO company wants to sell them cheaper. This is the part that when I was reading it I totally understand. Like Nowadays Xbox and PlayStation they do release the machines and sometimes they'll lose up to $100 a machine which they'll get back later in the years or they'll make more money off the games or the accessories. So there's different ways around compensating for the lost uh, systems. But the problem with Trip is he wanted to take a Tomahawk steak for say $350. So my restaurant would buy it. I would say, okay, Trip, it's 350 bucks. We have to make money Let's bump it up fifty hundred dollars. So let's make it say four fifty. He goes, okay. So then he goes out to the floor, approaches the table, and says, "Hello, my name's Trip Hawkins, and today's special is the tomahawk steak we're selling for twenty nine ninety five. Oh yeah, we'll take that. No, that that is his biggest problem in the one of the fighting that he has had." when it comes to him and the third-party markets. Because when it comes to the third-party markets, ye, they don't want to lose money. As weird as it sounds, there are companies out there that will be happy to break even. They buy it at 100, they sell it at 100, they're happy. Or you make money off of it. But nope, not trip. Nope, nope. Hawk like Trip also claimed that the console was HDTV compatible and in 1993 that's pretty damn good and that the company could use the technology as a set top box there's more to this machine than most people realized it even was set up for a possibility of being hooked up to the internet like I know Sega tried doing that with the adapter but this right here was built within the console that is mind-boggling i think trip had an idea which was incredible which could be one of the best ideas but as you already heard there has been a lot of issues 
with the 3DO. And let me tell you, it's not even totally 100% produced yet. Uh, in 1993, on the launch date, the developers had led one game to actual launch date. Where if you take a look at the newer systems, even um, PlayStation, there were so many more games on release date. So, of course, you buy the system, you get one. Whoopee! Who cares? Yeah! Whoa! If you waited for about another year, the system was actually released in Japan in March 94 and had six games lined up, which were Time er, Return Fire, Road Rash, FIFA, International Soccer, and Jurassic Park Interactive. So Japan had a little bit better platform to stand on. Maybe the initial release in North America should have been second? Who knows? Because I know there are systems that have been released over in Japan first. Then, say six months to a year later, they're eventually released in North America. Due to the lack of prof <coughs> profitable business model... That's when the 3DO basically, you know, more or less crashed. Then over time, some of the other systems, they had different changes with the different models that they actually had out there. And with the different changes of models, and what I mean models, I mean like the actual console itself, because you had the Panasonic 3DO, which was bigger bulkier it looked like an actual DVD player you go and you take a look at the other versions they got smaller more compact and when they're smaller more compact they probably had a little bit less features options like maybe they didn't have the HD compatible the internet compatibility just simple things like that which made the prices cheaper is you went from a $700 price tag at the very freaking start of it and when they eventually ceased to exist like three years later it dropped as low as $199 but by then everybody kind of moved on from it and started going into the N64 as well as the PlayStation. The Sega Saturn was actually the next in line for Sega. So they just more or less shoved the 3DO off to the side. And said, F you, you're done. Get out of my face. So with the amount of time that the 3DO was in existence... They sold roughly around 2 million copies worldwide. And one of the best-selling games that they actually did was Gex, G-E-X, which was like a little lizard that you would do. And they sold over a million dollars. 
great idea of what they could do with the machine. The third-party part absolutely destroyed them, and they could never, ever recover from that. Even with the production of it, one report said that they only had a certain amount of machines, like, say, 100,000. So this was before the Internet, all right? Just remember that. So they had enough just to give their dealers one or two machines, and that's it. So if you had a lineup of 10, only one or two people are going to get it. The demand could have been way higher if the production was also higher. And it's amazing that if Trip had a smaller vision with this very first console, maybe the 3DO could have been around a lot longer than what it was. Like, now if you take a look at these machines, they're paying $700, $800. Taking the price of what the 3DO cost back in the day compared to today, today's cost would have been over $1,000. I think it was like $1,100 or $1,200 in today's price range. That is mind-boggling for the actual cost of it. And in the early 90s, they prices were cheap on quite a bit of stuff. Like when the Genesis and uh, Super Nintendo came out, they were $200. 200 eh, maximum 300 Think about it that way. All right. I did learn so much about this system. I've tried it. I tried Road Rash. I loved it. And the system had tons of possibilities. Tons of chances to become something bigger, better, greater. And this is one of the reasons why companies today don't want to have the license of products because they want to make money. And when you have a chance to lose upwards of $200 on a system because the person who created it wanted it cheaper, but yet the manufacturer doesn't, they're going to go, <laughs> all right, you guys, enough, enough. What do you think? Comments, email me. Go on all my social media. I'm also getting a membership program coming. So I will be posting that on my Twitter slash X account. Across social media, it's Tangents, Gaming, not Gaming, Gaming without the G. 189. My email address is tangentsgaming189 at gmail.com. That is with a G. 
Otherwise, hopefully you guys have a great day. Thank you, and I will see you in the next episode right here on Tangents Gaming Podcast.